0: When the mighty case go go. Don't say hey, Willet, tell the cow. Joe Don't say they so you know the times now. Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game. I'm Dave Dagostino. I'm joined here by my co-host and star of this show. Sal Marinello. And this is the Hot Corner with Coach Sal. Episode 316 on the network. We're, we're cranking these shows out almost uh, two every three days here. We've had a full week this week. Uh, Sal's going to take us into the weekend here. We want to thank our 51,000 plus subscribers, 74 countries, grassroots MLB front offices. You can still stream us on our usual Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher, but let's make sure we flood iHeartRadio. They made us their newest podcast network on their their loaded lineup, let's let them know that they made the right choice bringing this network onto their their uh, into their family. So at the end of the show, give Sal five stars, write some great comments underneath the show notes, and we will be able to successfully battle the analytics of the podcast world just like they do in baseball. With that, Sal, welcome back to your show. We're right in the middle of playoff baseball now. I guess all the wild cards done, divisional series done, so we're down to four teams right now. Yeah,
1: I guess that's why you used the uh, center field uh, theme song today. Uh, it was good. Uh, it, yeah, baseball. It's 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 been an interesting postseason. I think it didn't turn out the way a lot of people that know a lot more than I do about the inner workings of the of the of the game. Uh, would you agree with that?
0: Yeah, I, I think the you know people thought the Braves had you know again they they were the arguably the best team in baseball from beginning to end. We saw Baltimore bust out in the American league with over hundred wins this year, as opposed to hundred losses like they had several years ago, uh, back to back to back, I believe. And uh, I think, you know, as, as from my standpoint at the beginning of it, I thought once the playoffs started, because of the way the format is, it gives really little, very little advantage to the teams that got a buy in the first round. We, I think uh, Jim Cott put me to the, Put me to the mat, asking me for my predictions, and uh, I, I go back to Houston and Philly. Those were the two teams I thought would be playing in the World Series this year. Uh, but very surprised at Texas. Uh, I thought Texas would, uh, you know, they were they were leading that division late in the season with a week to go. Not only did they blow the lead, but they also blew home field wild card advantage. So they went from getting a buy potentially five days later, they're playing on the road in the wild card game for their lives, and they've they've been phenomenal. They're a lot of fun to watch.
1: Yeah. You know what? It's always interesting when you get that story, that team that kind of comes on the scene late, you know, as a Met fan, that's one of the endearing things about the 73 Mets that were basically out of it and uh, had a rally at the end of the year, barely finished over 500. They had a couple of crazy games down the stretch and they just rolled through the, you know, they beat the Reds who were at the height of the big red machine to go to the world series and then, and then couldn't, couldn't finish. But You know, those stories always make the games interesting. And I I think that's in most sports. I think what we've seen, and again, I don't know if there's agreement on this. And maybe there needs to be a little bit different definition of what kind of advantage the best teams get. But I, I sometimes think sitting out around when these games are hotly contested, and especially when you're talking about some teams that maybe had a fight down the stretch and really never took the foot off the gas, so to speak, that team with momentum against a team that kind of sat around for a round, I think sometimes it helps the team that had to keep playing. It hurts the team that sits. I, I think we've seen it in football. Uh, and I think even in some of the NCAA tournament games that you have these teams that know they're getting in and going to have a relatively good seed down the stretch may not be as, um, as I don't, I don't want to say dire straights or back up against the wall as some of these lower seeds who always feel like they have something to prove. So, yeah. you know, I don't know how you fix that. I, you know, I remember when they started talking about changing the format, you know, you don't give uh, the lower seed in the early round, any home games. I don't know if that's fair or that's too much of an advantage, but um, that, that's...
0: Texas won them all on the road. I mean, they they they
1: killed right. it. So, I mean, right. There's no, there's no solution. I think you're always going to have your anomalies too. that, you know, or the, uh, what would you call it? The exception that proves the rule. Yeah. Or, but I just, I don't know. I just think it's it's... We see it in all the sports and it's, I'm not, this is not a critical assessment, but I think it's just the reality
0: that the regular season gets devalued. It does. It's a, it, uh, I, you know, it's, I think if you're banged up, sometimes that time off is good. But as you mentioned, if you're on a roll, I always think sports are, are made to be played every day. And I, I, the, the best, and when I, when I was got my first head coaching job, it happened to be at the division one level. I sought out as many, coaches as possible. I didn't care what sport it was. And the best advice I got on stuff like that was from Pat Riley. And, you know, he had a reputation with the Lakers being showtime, but his personality really showed out with the Knicks and with the heat where it was smash mouth battle. You. And, uh, I asked about that stuff. How do you handle those off days or pregame or, you know, day of shoot arounds? He goes, we don't do shoot arounds. We have full contact practices. These guys got to learn how to play hard all the time. And when you play hard all the time, You're less apt to get injured, where most people think you want to scale back in case of injury. No, you learn how to play hard all the time. It's a habit you got to build when you should give these guys time off to play softer, play slower. Then it's he goes, but I go, What do you do with a guy like uh, you know, with a magic or uh you know with the Knicks with a Ewing? You sit those guys down. If they're they're either gonna if they're gonna on the court, they're gonna play hard and it's gonna be full contact. If we're not gonna do it, they're gonna sit and they're gonna watch. He goes, You just monitor their reps. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I love that and I use that as well. If it's an hour shoot around, it's full contact playing basketball or, you know, if it's in baseball, same thing. It's simulated action. It's none of the uh, the walkthrough stuff like uh, like they they tend to do. So, yeah, that was the best advice I got.
1: Yeah. And I think that's that holds true. I think you need to keep the intensity up and you need to this. You need to dial down the volume, which is the or the two kind of mutually compatible variables. You can't go midweek as hard as you would when you're in the middle of the season as you would when you're off season, obviously. So, but you can for a brief period of time instead of, so I know workout wise, besides what's on the field, we'll always do something that gets their heart rate up as high as it would get during the most difficult workouts. But obviously you can't do it for as long because you need to be concerned with other factors, especially what the competition schedule is.
0: So yeah. and that goes for periods through the seat. That's how we used to, t- I, that was the other thing he answered. You know, how do you go two and a half, three hours through the year? He goes, you don't, you can do that in the beginning. And then as you get into mid season, you should be down below two hours. As you get close to the end of the season, you're down to an hour and a half hour and 15. Um, but you still go hard. You just, as you said, you just kind of reduce uh, the volume, so to speak. And it's stuff you talk about all the time. You talk about being aware of that. You also talk about, you know having to to play hard and, and playing hard and and working hard uh does prevent the injuries more so than giving these guys what they call it, load management it creates yeah. more problems with that stuff so um well you i i took you off on a tangent here first few minutes but i wanted to get your opinions on it but you 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 had uh, some thoughts on supplements right now i know we touched on it a tiny bit but didn't get into detail you promised the audience you'd get into it today but there's uh, there's a, there's an issue out there and I put quotes around it. People can't see it with supplements. Share that with us.
1: Well, I, I, I don't, you know, and you have to be kind of sensitive to the fact that your feed is based on what you're looking at on a day-to-day basis. So I don't know if it is something more than just because I read about supplements and, and medications. If I, I get that info fed to me, I, I would like other people to kind of look at their feeds and maybe we're all in the same boat. But I've noticed recently in the face of all this criticism of the pharmaceutical industry and how things are being foisted upon the public with some questionable data to back it up, there seems to be a lot of chatter in the posts that I see about over-the-counter supplements. And there's questions being raised about how effective they are and they're getting the Federal Trade Commission involved with the FDA and just being a suspicious kind of fella, my thought is that these supplements are so popular and people are turning away from let's you know, use, a, use the simple term medicine and turning to other things you know there's the old saying food is medicine but th- these over-the-counter supplements that cost a fraction of prescription drugs that have a fraction of any side effects. And at worst, you could say you're going to pass pass it through your system without really much of a benefit, but you're also not getting the deficit. So I just have seen a bunch of stories recently about fish oil was one. I saw, I forget the specific supplement that was supposed to have some cognitive benefits that they're going to now pull some, they were going to pull this one supplement that had to do with cognitive benefits and they were going to require studies to be done so to me, that so- sounds kind of suspicious, and and I don't trust the motives behind it.
0: Yeah. Well, with with supplements, now throw some at you, just so audience can get some some practical names. Like, I mean, every every day I take vitamin C, I take vitamin D. Are those considered basic supplements? Yeah. I mean,
1: I think there's also you'd be hard pressed to find data that, and and you know, all of these have stuff pros and cons, but I I I think those are two pretty bona fide supplements that you're gonna get definite benefits from. I mean vitamin C, of course. That that goes without saying. And and D and E, those are very valuable supplements that have had positive benefits associated with them. And I think they even do have some science that is serves as the underpinning for that. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Even like with so like for instance, I take vitamin C, D and E every day. And now I'm in the South. So there's a lot of fried fruit, a lot of fried foods down here, a lot of barbecue. And the people that eat a lot of barbecue, there's nitrites in barbecue, which is, and I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm not a doctor. I'm not, but there's, it's, uh, nitrites have, there's studies that show cancer causing. So to block that, it's been studied that vitamin C. So if I go out and I know I'm going to have barbecue, I'll take make sure I take vitamin C. I give the same to the kids. Same thing with with the fried foods. Vitamin E has been shown to kind of counteract the fried food, uh, you know, hysteria. you can't live on fried food; you'll you'll be your arteries will be clogged. But vitamin E has been shown to block some of the adverse effects on fried food uh, that'll have. So I'll do vitamin E before we do that.
1: Yes, and I think that's one of those things that too you you hear these stories and phrases bandied about cancer causing can can be dangerous all those things and 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 when you look at how the language is used you find that while in some uh in some meaningful way they have a negative effect you would have to consume so much for it to really do any damage and, and the the great example we just had that whole thing with aspartame and the, for some reason, all of a sudden, the WHO got in, involved with these artificial sweeteners and they were classified in, in such a manner that sounds dangerous, but still is basically meaningless because you would have to consume so much of that to have any chance to have a chance of a problem. So I think uh, y- we have to be a little sensitive and, and really read these columns, re- re- read these posts. To, to get the, the right information and to, and to uh, stay close to reality with really what is truly harmful and what in some sense, if you extrapolate crazily is harmful.
0: Yeah. And I, I that's back to that. Yeah. That, I, that's probably a point I should have made too with the barbecue and the fried. If you're going every day, you got a problem. Um, yeah, You
1: have, you have problems about beyond what nitrites are going to do just on yeah. the basic value of the food. You know, if you're eating fried stuff every day, it doesn't, it doesn't. It's not the. Uh, it's not the 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 ingredient way down the list that's going to get you. It's the fact that you're eating fried food or fast food every day. That's the problem.
0: Yeah. Have you ever heard of nadi nadi canis? It's a soybean. No. It's a Korean soybean. Um, I I started reading on that recently. I mean, I'll, I'll put that down. I'll send you some info. And then resveratrol. Those
1: resveratrol are- has been around and recycled yes. for years. Um. I, I, again, that's one of those, there's so much pro and con that you have to wonder at some point how legit it is. Yeah. So that's, again, the, but again, I think as long as it's not harming people, which we know prescription medication m- medications certainly can do, then you're probably just at worst wasting money, you know, at for,
0: for a lot of these things. Yeah. Resveratrol is supposed to improve your cardio health and the Naughty kanise i was reading up as we get cardio scarring in our arteries and supposed to you know uh, break that down but again not a doctor on this end so it's it's hard to tell but th- those have been two of my most recent uh reads i mean that.
1: i'm not a big fan of soy there's enough negative on on soy itself and how processed how processed it has to be to be eaten and really it's one of those, it's not lab. Well, it's almost lab created food. I, I, I think there's so much better forms of protein and whatever possible positive effect it has in the area you mentioned. If you are exercising properly, my bet is that is going to have way more of a benefit to you than whatever potential you get from eating it. And Let's take a big step back and tell people that unless you're exercising and eating a, a well-balanced meal, well-balanced diet, all of these things are wasted on you. Because you, these things are going to work not in spite of what you're eating, but they're going to work to support positive habits and, and healthy eating. So uh, let's use my example of the, the cocktail of supplements I think is great to sleep. If you're doing things that are gonna not allow you to sleep properly, like drinking alcohol and drinking alcohol to an excess later, or having if especially if you're sensitive to caffeine, having caffeine later in the day, or getting wound up if you're a younger, if you're still in, in younger person and enjoy video games, you're you're or spending too much screen time and your brain is going 100 miles an hour and you're going to try to go to sleep, I don't think those things work. Same thing with some of the supplements on the muscle building side like creatine, which is a bona fide supplement that is guaranteed to work. In in responders, people who are sensitive to it, there are people who don't respond to it, so you're unfortunately up against it if you don't respond to creatine. You still have to eat properly and exercise in the right manner for you to take advantage of the benefits that those substances could offer.
0: No, it's always, and I, I love that you go back to that point every time, it's, there's no quick fix. I mean, you've got to take care of yourself. You'd be happy to know that, uh, I'm, I'm, and again, not, not happy to know that I'm training for my next ultra marathon, but I placed a heavy emphasis on feet, ankle, Achilles, toes in terms of the mobility. Obviously, I've got to take care of the other stuff, but uh, amazing how much better I feel With that being a point of emphasis in training. It sounds logical, right? Since you're on your feet for 100.3 miles, that you.
1: Yeah, I mean, and it doesn't matter if you're on your feet for 103 miles or for a 10 second, 100 meter sprint. If your feet don't function properly, you're in trouble because your foot's what's in contact with the ground and is responsible for you being able to direct the forces you produce in the most positive direction. So you know, we're in the p- positive manner. So that that's that. And, and it goes even to, um, I get parents all the time that ask about supplements. And I my boys did this with creatine. The message is the same. If you're eating properly and exercising properly, take it because there's really not much that you're going to, have a problem with if, if you don't see a difference in the first three weeks with creatine, then you're not a responder. You stop taking it, stop wasting your money. Uh, my boys all responded well to it. They were all athletes. They all ate well. And it was just something that organically came about. They wanted to try it. And my thought was, well, let's put my money where my mouth is for years. I've always recommended it and I've used it myself and I felt it was healthy. And I felt there were no negatives to it and we used it. And to this day, my boys who are in college, one who plays sports, uses it, and he finds it very beneficial. All three of my boys and myself have responded to it. So The
0: body produces that naturally. Anyway, right? Yes, but yes what- it does, but
1: you, you, you don't run at the 100% or the saturation level, which is what the benefit of the creatine supplementation provides you with. It, it provides you with the ability to get to a level you couldn't get just from
0: eating. What and, and give and I ne- I never took it I I was around you know professional baseball players that did even basketball players as a college athlete and um, I don't know that my body would take to it I've got a you know I've got a uh, little bit more of a slender frame but uh, what t- t- give the the pros that it did for you and your sons and then give some of the cons that people would you know try to say hey this this is this shouldn't be taken over the counter
1: well I I don't really. Dismiss the cons, but I do. You can get some stomach issues from it, but that could be. I know people that have sensitive stomachs. I myself am sensitive to things, so I don't necessarily take that as a a, something dire. I think it's one of those things that if you get the benefit from it and you can deal with it, uh, that's really the only thing I've heard of. There's there's all kinds of issues people attribute to creatine use. I, in my opinion. It, it becomes a convenient scapegoat if for, for certain things like I've heard dehydration, which I don't never experienced anything like that. I, I don't really know if there is a, a good reason to not use it aside from some extreme, extreme gastric side effect that really binds you up literally and figuratively or the opposite or if you if you're not a responder that's the the pr- pretty much the number one reason it, like what i said. You, what,
0: what do you mean if you're how do you know if you're not a responder What's I mean the- if,
1: you're, if so say uh, in the perfect world look, with my boys i know how they eat and how they trained so when they would come to me and they would say dad i already see that i put on 4 or 5 pounds in a, a two week period for her kid who's had a hard time doing that you know you're a responder that's basically gotcha. the way that you know you're responding and and it requires honesty with yourself there's people who just flat out are not honest with themselves there's people who will tell you they have a natural physique and when they've used growth hormone or <laughs> testosterone and their their answer is well those are natural substances so we're talking about you have to be honest with yourself you have to realize you're not eating a diet of garbage, and when the creatine doesn't work, you're blaming it on you not being a responder rather than your diet. So you need
0: to have that certain amount of honesty with yourself before you can really evaluate. So so weight gain, and obviously that's through muscle gain.
1: Yeah. You're, yes. it, it's, it's So it really is some, it's water gain. It's You're going to gain some water weight because what it does is it helps fill the cell, and what it also does is help stave off fatigue, so the thought... The theory and the practice of it is by doing that, staving off the fatigue allows you to work a little harder and then it aids in the recovery. And if you're eating the proper amount of protein, then that's kind of the magic mix of what you need to have the creatine supplementation be successful.
0: Yeah. no, I It's something I've thought about for my two boys because they're at that age now where their bodies are maturing, but I've stayed away from it. And actually, I haven't really had them lifting. Either just uh, no supplements, no lifting, a lot of body weight stuff, and a lot of just performing the physical activities that they they're performing right now. A lot of a lot of chin ups, chin ups and push ups. Really,
1: That'll wor- it'll it, those it, those are muscle growth stimulating exercises. So you probably be an interesting test case. Take your older boy, take try with Tanner, see how he responds, and with just that very minimum. Of training that you're doing, and you'll know in three weeks. And just if anyone is interested, you only need to get the creatine monohydrate in its most basic form, which should cost you twenty dollars. Let me see my canister here. Uh, for about a pound, you're you're talking about twenty bucks. Uh, I use a, when I use it. I haven't used it since the summer. Uh, this brand called Naked Creatine which actually the great thing about it is it's powder. Most creatine monohydrate is granular, so it doesn't really dissolve great in liquid. So you get this kind of gritty finish, whereas this naked creatine, which I've got uh, got on Amazon, is uh, in this more powdery-like state, so it will dissolve better in fluid.
0: Yeah. What And, and I, I want to get on to the injury thing next, but what, when I remember creatine at its height, I remember it at the time of McGuire and Sosa, and people were linking it unfairly, I guess, to steroids.
1: Well, because people were ignorant and no one wanted to... We I've had this discussion with Kevin for twenty almost 25 years. It was so blatantly obvious what the reason was for these guys to be massive humans and no one wanted to talk about it and it was very easy to look in the in the I think it was Maguire had a canister of it in his locker and you would have thought it was a pound of cocaine the way they responded when it just was it's ignorance and the ignorance is still there we still get the same response from people when you tell them the workouts haven't changed much for these guys they're not doing much differently and they're 20, 30, 40 pounds heavier. Uh, it's not the chicken breasts or the steamed vegetables that's the reason. Or their over-the-counter protein supplement. There are pharmaceutical preparations which are responsible for that.
0: Yeah, no, I uh, I'm glad you brought that up. I, I I thought about that initially, and I'm I'm assuming if I had that misconception back then, I don't, I don't have it now. That maybe others in the audience may have had that, so I wanted to clear that up with them. So you had, you had text me about uh, end results and uh, injuries uh, as it pertains. You know, you get to the end, the injury happens. Injuries linked to system failure.
1: Well, let's uh, one quick thing I wanted to mention, and this was something I texted you. I've written about this, and we've talked about it in the past, but it's getting more so. There's never been a worse, and since we were talking about these supplements and, and the things related, there's never been a worse time to not be healthy than – Today, and the reason and by by being healthy, I'm not talking about a short term issue if you get a cold, if you've got hay fever, if you have allergies, stuff like that. I'm talking about your general state is one of being unhealthy where you don't exercise, you don't get sunlight, you don't get fresh air, you aren't eating a balanced diet you're and and you've seen it, we've talked about it too the the movement to getting people on medications. Rather than changing lifestyle, it's not going to, we're not going to get this fixed. You're not, you're going to have to fix it. People, the general you are going to have to fix this yourself. You're going to have to start taking more responsibility than you already have had to have, that you probably, many people haven't. So it's really going to be a massive shift for a lot of people to be able to start getting more involved in their own health and fitness. And it it involves things like we talked about, the supplements that can help you sleep, things that you can do to be healthier, such as minimize how much breathing through your mouth you do. We haven't really talked about that in a while. We could talk about that at another time. But all of these little things, moving, getting out, getting sunlight, breathing through your nose, taking the time to spend a half hour a day on very, very basic but easy to do movement things before you go to bed or sometime during your workout. Those are the things that now are have never been more important. Because once you take that step or once you get into that funnel, to use a marketing term, where you have become on prescription drugs, you're not getting out of it. And you're not going to be healthy in any real sense. So... We could get a little more into that later, uh, and I think we should do a little more on that, but I just want to bring it to your attention, people's attentions. We have the worst health outcomes here of any industrialized nation, so we've already kind of turned the, the bad corner, and people are looking for these quick fixes that come through drugs. and. It's just not going to happen. It's just like you can't turn around and say, why can't every quarterback be like Tom Brady? Or why can't every athlete be like whoever you want to pick? It's because not everybody has the ability and has done what they've done consistently over the years to get to that point. So with your health and fitness, even if you're an older guy like myself in your 60s, you can still make a change as long as you make that change and you don't go in half as a half measure. If you think you're going to make that change by going on Ozempic and still going to have your muffins and your four drinks on a weekend on a Saturday and on a Sunday and on a whatever, and then you're going to stay on that and you're not going to make any other changes, but you're going to exercise. You're never going to really get out of that. And you're going to find yourself as you get older in deeper trouble. So that's what I want to leave you with there.
0: Yeah, and we can definitely get, we can get into more detail now. But my question is, why Why is it, uh, why would you say today is the most important? Is it because of the push with pharmaceuticals? Or is it just
1: it's because the- of the push with pharmaceuticals. It's because of the kind of pharmaceuticals. It's because of the attitude that rather than fix your very fixable habit of you're eating poorly to we're going to call you obese and say you have a disease and give you drugs when the drug is never going to work with as, few side effects as just making those lifestyle changes, which we've known for the entirety of society and civilization, but it seems like the last 50 years, we wanna get away from that. And I saw a great meme on social media about people would rather have processed foods with five chemicals and five potentially dangerous ingredients rather than eat an egg or, or a piece of meat. and. You have to kind of get away from the prevailing wisdom that there is something better out there that is going to sustain us when we've built our society on this diet that we know is healthy. And if you look at people in practice who follow it, they are healthy. So you got to start, you got to start making that change and don't wait because once you get into this funnel, again, where they've started to prescribe drugs for you, to, to solve your problem, you're not going to solve it.
0: Yeah. And you end up when you, when you do decide to, you know, do what you're suggesting today say, start right now, it's, it's hard to figure out what your true North is to how to get back to normal.
1: Well, we, I've said this for years, we've, there's been a, there's now two generations of people who don't know how to feed themselves. And that's not a good, that's not a good outcome.
0: Oh no doubt, because we got and we got. I think, how to
1: eat? It's almost like saying, "What at one point we're not going to know how to breathe, and we're not going to know how to train." Which we've already done that, and that's something that kind of is a nice segue into the next um, into the next subject.
0: Yeah, no, let's move into that. We talked. You mentioned injuries, tracking injuries back through system, and it being really basically a system failure reaching to the injury. It's no, you know, no, no big mystery. But to, to, to chat onto that. So I always like to relate things I'm reading
1: in subject matter that doesn't overtly correlate to fitness and exercise. So I've been down the rabbit hole with as I've mentioned to you the concept of the timeline of history is completely different than the prevailing wisdom and how goes way you know a civilization and the ability to do advanced things goes way back beyond the time of the pyramids and what some people feel is the age of the sphinx which is around 55 to 60 uh, 6200 years ago to 10,000 plus years ago and how it relates to the concept of how people understand Egypt. So bear with me here it's a little bit of a, a crazy analogy but I think it holds true. There's again this developing school of thought with understanding of Egypt is that their production of these pyramids was an attempt to show how advanced they were and basically, for lack of a better term, showing off their knowledge, which they kept secret, which explains why a lot of the things they've done, they have not found written evidence to back up or to show where this knowledge came from. And the thought is that they wanted their... Society to be judged on the outcome and on um, what they produced, and they kept this knowledge secret. So my my point is not that we keep we should keep knowledge secret, but my point is when you look at the outcomes that we have in sport with injury, the it the the conclusion you come to is that it's a failure because of the massive amount of injuries. Like let's use the Achilles that we saw Aaron Rodgers suffer. Everyone knows about the ACLs and the UCLs. And and we have these Achilles injuries now that are at a pace in the first week we had more than we had in a season 25 years ago. So that is all the information you need to know that this system is a failure is to just look at the outcome. We don't need to keep trying to figure out what in that system is the one problem. It's the entire system. It's from you. And you could say it goes from the training that starts from the overuse that starts when these athletes are in their early teens to the surfaces they play on and to the training that they get, how it doesn't mesh with their, not only with what they're doing, but the environment they're in. So I think that to me, that hit me when I'm reading this, I'm thinking here's a society that there's a, a growing school of thought that they're saying they wanted to be judged on their outcome of their product. And we, if we did the same thing, we're in a pretty sorry state. If someone were to look at us distance down the road and look back and say, they were sicker in the general population and their athletes got hurt more than they had ever gotten hurt before. They really didn't know what they were doing.
0: No, I I think the, the point well taken. I, 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 I always give you the the latitude because you're well thought out and well read uh, on this stuff. Um, and it's a lot to unpack. With, I mean, we we've talked about the surfaces that these guys are playing on, the training, the 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 even gone into detail about things when we text back and forth, max velocity. Um, so many crazy injuries nowadays that I'm 50. I, I already I already I hit every day, Sal. Still, I, I take 100 swings righty, 100 swings lefty. It's part of my part of my exercise every day. And I love it. I haven't yet, and I'm going to knock on wood, I have yet to injure my oblique.
1: Right. Because you're doing things that are all part of the program. It's all based on what you need and should be doing. And it's very simple. You look back on your results. That's your your end result is that 50, you're you're still swinging and you're not hurt. And we don't even have to talk about the training. We know that the turf, is a major contributing factor. How, how would you feel, Dave, if you were an NFL player, you're playing here in Giants Stadium where the Jets and the Giants play, and you're out there on turf, and the star of your franchise and the star player that was going to kind of raise football in this area, Aaron Rodgers, goes down literally four minutes into the season on artificial turf, and then you find out when the World Cups come in, soccer, they're putting grass down because FIFA won't let their athletes play on turf as as a jet and a giant and anywhere else in the country that they're doing this. How is that? How would that make you feel? How is that? Okay. How does that just not be a major story every day in the sports world?
0: Yeah. I mean, it was just, I don't even know that it was touched on. I didn't realize FIFA does that. You're
1: not. Yeah. When you go to, the soccer arenas around the country, when when the, the, the pro lacrosse league plays in the soccer stadiums around the country, if they're not out a college lacrosse facility, these soccer stadiums are all grass. The PLL championship game, which was in Philadelphia this year, was on. It's a great. The, where the Philadelphia, I believe it's the Philadelphia Union play, is grass field because soccer is played on grass. I'm sure in some places they play on turf, but the World Cup has to be played on grass. I
0: didn't realize you have to look at Yeah, and you would think that, uh, I mean, they, they say the NFL is America's sport now, and they're 25 years ahead Football as of all the other sports. Doesn't seem that way in this case.
1: Yeah, so I think you don't even need to look at the training, which is a whole different avenue. You could look at the turf. We had another jet went down with an Achilles this weekend, one of their offensive linemen, one of their starting tackles. Another Achilles. So, again, I believe it was 20 or 25 years ago. There were four all season. You had two on one team within the first five weeks of the season. And I believe that number now has got to be up over 20
0: for the season. Yeah, you you jumped on that right in the preseason. I remember that um, on one of the earlier shows. And there's no – why on earth wouldn't they make the change? I know, obviously, it costs money to go grass, and there's a different maintenance schedule and whatnot, but with all the money flowing through the billions flowing through the NFL, you would think they would want to protect the players that they're paying. You know, that's that's where the money's going to.
1: Well, I'm sure it costs a lot of money to put really good tires on airplanes, so when they land, they don't explode. So <laughs> it's kind of like, okay, yeah, the, the ter- it's not like I'm, I want better beer at the uh, concession stand. You you you're protecting your biggest asset. So yeah. how how is it even a question? And, and and the same thing goes i think of any i'm not sure i'm sure they do it in baseball because these guys are always on the field and they probably have artificial surfaces they play on but i i just think that you're really contributing to this injury problem by having athletes play on artificial turf and we just see it it's it's an un, inescapable part of playing on turf are, the, are these non-contact injuries i i i'm sure it's happened but, and I'm going to see if I can find it. I'd love to try to find a story of a non-contact injury that occurred on regular grass or on dirt.
0: Well, you remember when when I know you're a Mets fan, when Jose Reyes went to Toronto, I believe he put up a stink about it, and that was one of his arguments that there's there's too many back. He, he said too many back and knee injuries. I remember, and he was not a big guy. I mean, I mean as far as he's than regular human, but he was you know small, fast. Um, You know, people think that's the best place for guys that are that stature on turf that would enhance his game, and he was opposed to it. But he still went; he had to go.
1: Well, sure. I mean, it might make you feel faster, but it's 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 exposing you to a risk. I I say this; I and have he started, heard, he heard his knees, his knees, and back, just as he said. I so I started coaching where the artificial turf was the anomaly, and we got turf at when I was at Chatham. I think our second or third year. It might have been the third or fourth year. But when you go, it still happens to me now. I'm not on turf when I'm not coaching. When you go back out and start coaching and you're on the turf regularly, you feel it immediately in your knees and your lower back. And that's just from standing around and doing very little work. So that definitely translates. So this is something I think we can develop more a little bit more as we go but i again i think everyone should keep that concept in mind you're judged based on your outcome and you know the outcome has to go beyond wins and losses where we're talking about my area which is how do you prepare your athletes for the sport and you look at the injury rates you have to say the system's a failure and you can't plug and play you and, and i've said this before and and i think this is where i'm going to leave it leave it today is You have a lot of people that are doing good work and they're taking and changing elements of training, but they're still plugging it in to the broken system and they're including all the other things in that mix that are detrimental. Until that's all taken out, you can't say you've really changed the system. You need to be able to take all of those old things out and you have to start from scratch and rebuild the system. And I think that's the mistake a lot of people who who want to do and are trying to do what I do. I'm trying to throw away everything that has to do with that old system, because until you know what really works and what doesn't and what's a contributing factor and what doesn't, you, you can't use it because the, those things all have to earn their way back. Those old things have to earn their way
0: back in to this new system. I think that's a great, great way to cap it off with our audience. A lot of good information today. Uh, I always love our conversations. I, uh, I, I, I often forget that we're talking to an audience here. I think it's just you and me, chatting back and forth. But um, <clears throat> excuse me. So we, we, uh, we've got, we've got our show going on next week. You'll be a part of the roundtable again next week with Coach and Kernan. Um, yes, sure. Just so our audience remembers, we'll have our Coach and Kernan, starring Kevin Kernan, the Hall of Famer, AMBS next tuesday um sal will be be doing double duty he's got that his the show with us and then he's got his show the hot corner obviously um we'll schedule that sometime this weekend for next week but uh, sal always appreciate your insight always well thought out well read well spoken and i like it because um sign of a great teacher you can break it down to as simple its form and it's digestible for me pardon the pun and i'm able to apply it so i hope our audience feels the same way thanks dave yep so with that, with that, episode 316, Real Voices of the Game, thank you to our audience, 51,000-plus subscribers, 74 countries. Make sure you give Sal five stars. Give him some nice notes on there. Let iHeartRadio know that they they grabbed the, the best podcast production group to join their already illustrious family. Keep us in the bigs because uh, we do battle the analytics of the podcast world just like they do in baseball. With that, the hot corner with Coach Sal. Sal, have a great weekend. Thanks, Dave. You too. See you next week. Thank <laughs> you.